May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. There are lots of happy ever-after movies, which leave you with a warm glow at the end of the movie when you know everything's going to turn all right. But there is a subgenre of movie which ends with a departure, where everything is not all right. There are hundreds of movies that I could pick, but I'm British by birth, so I'm going to pick my favorite one, which is British. Uh, and it's called Brief Encounter. It is a movie which was made uh, 80 years ago at the end of the Second World War. It involves two great British stars at the time, Trevor Howard and Celia Johnson. And it is about a married couple, sorry, it is about two married people, not married to each other, who come together and find a passion. Um, it's very 1940s, so it's understated, it's unrequited in some respects. But it is a profound passion. And yet they come to realize that it cannot be. And so they part. It's a movie of that type and that era, so of course it has to involve a steam train. <laughs> and the Trevor Howard character departs on the train. They've decided they can't be together. As the train pulls out, there's another train coming in the other direction. Celia Johnson thinks about running in front of it, pulls herself back, and goes back to her family. And we have found out her rather boring husband. The credits roll. One of the things the movie was famous for was actually for popularizing Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto, the Adagio, sweeping music. It is a beautiful film. And we come out of the movie theater thinking, that was great. But if you think about it a little more, what happens after the movie? What happens after that departure, after that parting, after almost that bereavement, the passion which was so strong and yet cannot be? The New Testament, the Gospels, have departure stories, the most famous, the most obvious, the one that we focus on 40 days ago was Jesus' death on Good Friday. This is a devastating party. This is something which is incomprehensible to the disciples. This was not the way it was meant to be. And then, three days later, Jesus returns. The resurrection. And after that first moment of total incomprehension, the disciples realized that Jesus predicted this, that he told them about it, they hadn't understood it, but now here he is. But that is not the only departure in the Gospels, the New Testament. Because today, more accurately Thursday, but today we celebrate the Feast of the Ascension. And it is essentially a departure. We are told in the story Jesus is lifted up. He is gone. Now the disciples are rejoicing. He's told them the Holy Spirit is coming. More importantly, He's told them that he will return. When they say, when is this going to be? Is it going to be now? He says, we do not know the time or the place or the hour. But at the same time, he has told them before, I tell you, there are those here now who shall not taste death before the kingdom comes of the Son of Man. Now, nimble lawyer though I am, I cannot tell you that that last prediction has been fulfilled. 2,000 years later, 
Jesus is still not with us. We are promised that Jesus will come again at the end. When we do not know. There are some who earnestly await the apocalypse. I am not amongst them. So the question is, how as Christians can we live in this period between Jesus, when Jesus left us the second time, and before he returns the final time? I want to suggest to you that the answer is actually something that Rob talked about a little in his sermon a couple of weeks ago. And it's this idea of being with. It's an idea which comes out of St. Martin in the Fields and Sam Wells. I have to declare an interest here. I was at St. Martin in the Fields. I really like Sam Wells and respect him. But I think that there is something here. And what Sam talks about in his book and the course which he and the church have developed is about this idea of being with. He describes four different ways of interacting with people. One of them is working for. Now that's what we traditionally do when we do outreach, charity, whatever you want to call it. We identify a problem, we identify the people who need to be helped, and we go out and fix a problem. Sometimes hands-on, sometimes through money. But that is working for. It sees a problem, it sees people who need to be helped. Then there's working with. This is slightly more inclusive. It takes, to be sure, us, you know, the people with the ideas, the people with the resources, the money, the energy, the good fortune. It also pulls in the people who don't have those. So it's not just doing it for them, it's doing it with them and pulling in other groups, churches, community organizations, local government, whoever. And that's working with. There is also being for. And in our rather performative, internet-saturated world, this is all too easy to do. This is about seeing a problem, identifying a problem, thinking about the ways that it needs to be talked about, the mistakes which could be made, the offenses which could be caused, and then basically going back and tweeting about it. So there is a problem to be solved, it just has to be solved by other people, but we're okay because we have the right attitude. And then there is being with. What does this mean? What does being with means? mean? What it does is it does not see people or things as problems to be solved. It sees other human beings as, well, human beings. To be enjoyed, to be lived with, to be sat alongside. It is a mentality of abundance rather than a mentality of scarcity. Scarcity is where the problems come. We don't have enough of this. We don't do this right. These people need help. Whereas a mentality of abundance says, there is so much richness in life, that if we sit alongside people and enjoy them, and this is a, def this is a distinction St. Augustine makes, if we enjoy them, as opposed to always worry about what we need to do or to use, then we will find richness in their lives. We will learn their stories. They will learn our stories. And we will be in relationship with them. One of the problems, certainly of working for, of being for, and to a certain extent of working with, 
is that we isolate ourselves from other people because we are the problem solver, they are the problem. We are human beings. Now, what is the basis for this? Well, the basis for this, Sam says, is that this actually models how God wants to be with us. This truly does. God wants to be with us. God is not the great problem solver. God is not the fixer. We are not the problem and God is the solution. God is certainly not tweeting about what we should say and all those types of things. God wants to be with us. God in creation at the beginning so wanted to be with us that he created the world, that he created humanity and all the things that we see about us. But that wasn't enough. God so wanted to be with us that he became us in Jesus. Now we face this period of time where the creation has happened. Jesus was with us but is no longer. And the end, the perfection, has also not yet happened. So the other part of this, the other important part of being with, peeks forward to next Sunday and to the Holy Spirit. There are a couple of important things to say about the Holy Spirit. As we hear these stories today, we talk about Jesus saying, you will be clothed with the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Spirit descending, filling them up. That, I think, leads us into a little bit of a misunderstanding because it sounds like essentially, you know, we go along to a gas station, God fills us up with the Holy Spirit, and off we go. That isn't the way the Holy Spirit works. Again, because of this idea that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, of the God we've already, the creator God we've already seen, the Jesus who lived among us and will come back to us, and the Holy Spirit in this dance, that actually the Holy Spirit is everywhere. The Holy Spirit has been with us since the day we were born, inside of us, and the Holy Spirit will be with us until the day we die. But not just us, everybody. Everybody, every color, every creed, every race, everything. That the Holy Spirit is everywhere and around us as well because the Holy Spirit is God who wants to be with us. And the challenge of our lives in that isolation that I talked about is that we react against that. We don't want, in a way, to feel the Holy Spirit at work in us. And part of what being with is about by being with human beings, other human beings, and understanding what they do and the story that they have is also about enabling us to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing within us and for us. So we can read about the ascension as being that departing train, with or without Rachmaninoff playing in the background. But actually, the way this works, the way God works being with us, is that the Holy Spirit is here now. We will celebrate that next weekend, but the Holy Spirit has been with us and will be with us and is all around us. God wants to be with us. Amen. <laughs>